So thankful that you've come to the house of the Lord. The book of Jonah, chapter number one, verse number one and two, if you found it, say amen. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. Whose word was it? The word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. And here's what God said, verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. It's interesting to me that in the same verse that God talked about their wickedness, he talked about their greatness. Go to Nineveh, and then he called it that great city. And then, with just in a couple of seconds, he acknowledged their wickedness. I want to preach for a while tonight on that great city. That great city. Lord, I thank you, God, for your presence. I thank you, God, for every elder every parent, every grandparent, every young person, every child that is in this house tonight. God, I thank you, Lord, for every generation that is represented in this house and for blessing us to have them in this church. I pray, God, for your anointing on me to preach. And I pray, God, your anointing on our ears to hear. Lord, all I want you to do is have your way. God, I come tonight not imposing any of my own expectations on you. I come only wanting you to have your way. I'm praying for your anointing to destroy yokes, anoint our hearts and minds, anoint ears to hear and anoint me to preach, God. And I pray, confirm your word with signs following. And Lord, I'll give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're being seated. In the late 1800s, former Secretary of State William Jennings Bryan said, quote, if the Bible had said that Jonah swallowed the whale, I'd believe it. Tim Keller wrote, the Bible does not say that every difficulty is a result of sin, but it does teach that every sin will bring you into difficulty. That's a powerful statement. The Bible does not say that every difficulty is the result of sin, but it does teach that every sin will bring you great difficulty. And then he continues, all sin has a mighty storm attached to it. To this, he was writing about Jonah, how Jonah had fled from the will of God, the direction of the Lord, and that that brought a mighty storm to Jonah. The city of Nineveh was founded shortly after the flood. You can read about it in Genesis chapter number 10 and verse 11. 
The city rose to power around 900 B.C. and became the capital of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians were known to be an extremely brutal and cruel people, often skinning their captives alive. The prophet Nahum described the people of that city as, quote, lions that tear and feed on the nations. This was a violent, brutal city that became the assignment of God for Jonah the prophet. Nineveh is one of the most notorious cities in all of history. Nineveh embodied the best and worst of human life. It was both civilization-wise advanced, but also very wicked. It was dramatic in its conquest and tragic in its failure. Thomas Bolin said, quote, cities are morally ambivalent places that hold out the promise of excitement and the threat of danger, at once sites of corruption and sites of human achievement. And thus he described the city of Nineveh. Nineveh was described as large, taking three days to go across. It's also known as thoroughly evil. Their own king said that they had, quote, violence in their hands. That was Jonah 3 and 8. God said their wickedness had come up before him. Non-biblical sources referred to Nineveh as a lawless and ruined city. The Greek literary giants Herodotus and Aristotle talked about how sinful Nineveh was. Thomas Lodge and Robert Greene described Nineveh's sinfulness and her evil kings as well as demons and murderers and forced incest. David Anderson wrote that Nineveh, about Nineveh calling it, quote, a reign of violence, terror, torture, and killing, conquered peoples, and they pridefully carried home parts of their enemies' leaders' bodies as souvenirs of war. He referred to Nineveh as, quote, the most cruel capital in the world. Anderson said, Jonah feared the Assyrians and wanted nothing to do with the criminal empire and was delighted that God would destroy them in 40 days. If you've been paying attention to my description of the city of Nineveh and how it has been described by historians and prophets and philosophers and authors, you have heard words such as violent, brutal, cruel, thoroughly evil, morally ambivalent, lawless, ruined, a criminal empire, sinful, with demons, murderers, and incest. My brothers and sisters, that is how historians saw Nineveh. That's how prophets saw Nineveh. That's how philosophers saw Nineveh. And that's how authors saw Nineveh. But Jonah chapter number 1 and verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. What others said about Nineveh was important, but what God said about Nineveh was most important. What people thought about Nineveh mattered to people, but what really mattered is what did God say about the city of Nineveh. 
May I tell you that other people may describe you one way or the other, but you can't let other people define your life and determine your destiny. Amen. Don't let other people tell you who you are and what you are. It's not about what others say. It's about what God says about you. Amen. I'm starting to feel a little preacher coming on me right now. Amen. If you said amen a couple of times, it might spur me on just a little bit. Amen. What other people say about the church isn't the problem of the church. What God says about the church is what matters. People may have written you off. People may have said you're no good. People have said you're no account. People may have said you've messed up too much and gone too far. But what matters is what does God say about you? That's really all that matters is what does the voice of God say about your life? Hallelujah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. God decided it was his turn. The historians have spoken. The authors have spoken. The philosophers have spoken. And the prophets have spoken. But now, God, what do you say about Nineveh? God said in verse number two, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. God saw the wickedness of Nineveh, but God didn't let what they did in their past determine their future. We live in a wicked and a sinful world. Somewhere in our community, there's somebody that's sleeping off their drunk from earlier in the day. There's a meth addict who hadn't slept for days on end because of the rage of the drug in their system. Somewhere in our community, there's an abusive husband that's filled with anger and rage. Somewhere in our community, there's an adulterer that's hoping his wife doesn't find out what he's been up to. There's rebellious young people who are filled with anger and girls who let boys use them because their self-esteem has been damaged. There's people who have committed crimes and violence in our cities are all kinds of sin and all kinds of wickedness. The carnal, the worldly, the wicked, the violent, the lawless, the mean, the disrespectful, and the broken. In our cities are backsliders who hate the man of God. People who despise holiness preaching. People who think that God is a fairy tale and that worship is a foolish act by foolish people. These are the people of our cities, but the question is not how do I see the people in the city, but how does God see the people in the city? And I'll tell you how God sees them. God sees it as a great city. Oh, yes, he does. I'm going to tell you tonight, God cares about sinners. God cares about the broken, the wounded, the hurt. He cares about the wicked, the evil, the addict, and the sinful. God has sent me to this pulpit tonight to be a Jonah, to preach to our cities. If God could look at Nineveh and see it as a great city, then I know that God looks down on our city and says there's a revival in our community tonight. Oh, yes. 
May I tell you that no one had the right to be more offended at Nineveh than God. Nobody had the right to be more offended at the people of Nineveh than God did. The people had not transgressed Jonah's law. They had not transgressed the philosopher's law. They had not transgressed the historian's law. They had transgressed God's law. But when God looked at Nineveh, he didn't see people he wanted to destroy. He saw people he wanted to save. Can I preach to you tonight that God would rather forgive people and save them than judge them and punish them? He would rather they be born again than they die lost. God is in the saving business. God is in the saving business. And the church needs to be in God's business. Oh, God. Hallelujah. God began to deal with me the other night while Brother Carpenter was preaching about the city of Nineveh and about, and about Jonah. And what, for some reason, I could not get that phrase out of my mind. That great city. That great city. Let me tell you that it's time that instead of speaking judgment on the world, that we prophesy goodness and revival on the world. I've come to say, I know the world is wicked, but there's a revival in our world. I know the world is sinful but there's a revival in our sinful world God sees the world with compassion and love and grace and mercy it's a great city somebody ought to raise their hand and say God help me to see the world like you see it God help me to see people like you see them Lord Jesus lift your hands all over this place, and let's let the Holy Ghost speak to our hearts tonight. You know good and well there's nobody that preaches against modern culture as much as I do. You know good and well that nobody preaches about the evil of the day that we live in more than I do. But while I look at this wicked world, I can't let myself start to hate the people in this world. I can't let myself get to hating the people that are doing the wickedness. God doesn't hate them. The people that blaspheme God today, he doesn't hate them. The people that have shot meth into their system today, God doesn't hate them. The alcoholic that's down a fifth of whiskey today, God doesn't hate them. The girl that sold her body today God doesn't hate her God doesn't hate the addict God doesn't hate the alcoholic God doesn't hate the criminal God doesn't hate the thief God wants to save them it's a great city I'm praying God help us to see this world as our harvest field Oh, God, I wish somebody praised the Lord. I believe in God to turn our city towards him. I believe there's a harvest outside the doors of this church. I believe there's a harvest outside the doors of this church house. There's people that are hungry for God. They may be in Nineveh, but God has his eye on them. Lost people are God's people. I said something a while ago that I'm afraid it, it kind of, I, I said it, but maybe you didn't catch what I said. I said that God is in the saving business and the church needs to be in God's business. There's two things that the Bible tells us that God is looking for. Number one, the father seeketh such to worship him. And number two, God is looking for lost people. God is looking for worshipers. How many believe that? Y'all gonna make me earn my money tonight? 
It's all right, I'll work overtime just for fun. God's looking for people to worship him. God's looking for people that worship him. And there's nothing that bothers God more than somebody that's been in church for 20 years and forgot how to praise God when he brought them out of darkness, when he delivered them and kept them. I don't ever want to lose my praise. I don't want to ever, I don't want to ever forget what God brought me out of and how God turned my life around. The Father seeketh such to worship him. I'm telling you, praising God is better than praising a basketball team. Praising God is better than praising an athlete. Praising God is better than praising a politician. Praising God is the best thing because he turned me around. He picked me up. He saved my soul. Somebody ought to praise him. The Father seeketh such. You know what he's looking for right now? He's looking for a worshiper. Come on, somebody. God's looking for a worshiper right now. And your worship may determine your breakthrough. Your praise may determine your revival. You can sit there if you want to, but I'm hungry for God and I need him. God, I need you. And if my worship gets your attention, then that's what I'm going to do. The The Father seeketh such to worship him. You can be a low-down sinner, but if you're worship, you'll get God's attention. You may be broken. You may be busted. You may be messed up, but if you're worship, you can get God's attention. The pride don't get God's attention. The haughty don't get God's attention. Uh, the dead don't get God's attention, but a worshiper will always get God's attention. You want proof? I'll give you proof. There was a Syrophoenician woman. Syrophoenicians, the Phoenicians were a, a idolatrous people. They were a wicked people. Jezebel was a Phoenician. They were a wicked people that served idols and hated God's people. But this Syrophoenician woman, she had a daughter that was possessed by a devil. And she came to Jesus and she said, my, my daughter's grievously vexed. I need you to deliver my daughter. And Jesus said, I'm not sent, but to the, I'm not sent to the dogs. I'm sent to the lost sheep of Israel. You don't qualify for a miracle. You don't qualify for a revival. It's not your turn. You don't get a revival. And so the woman got mad, gave Jesus a dirty look, turned around and walked away. No, that's not what she did. The Bible said she worshiped him. Let me ask you this. Could you worship God when God told you no? Could you worship God if God said, no, you're not going to get your miracle right now. You got to wait a few years till the cross has been. You got to wait till after the cross and the resurrection. We get so mad because God doesn't move when we snap our fingers and say move that we turn around. Well, God, I'm not going to worship you tonight. I'm not going to clap my hands. I'm just going to sit here because I'm not getting what I want. No, this woman didn't soil up like that. She worshiped him. Can you worship God even when it's not your moment? Look, I know if you get your miracle tonight, you'll worship. But can you worship even if it's not your miracle night? The Father seeketh such to worship. The Father seeketh such to worship him. She worshiped him. She wor- this was not an Israelite. This was not a godly woman. This was not a woman that had been raised to know about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Noah. She did not get, she wasn't raised to know about all the, the, the people in the history. She didn't know about David and Goliath and all that. She was, a, she was a Phoenician. She didn't know all that background, but she knew one thing. If I can worship God, then maybe I can get my breakthrough. Amen. Now notice. Notice. 
Now notice what he said when she worshiped him. When she worshiped him, he turned around to all the people that knew about Noah and knew about Abraham and knew about Isaac and knew about Jacob and knew about Samson and knew about David. And he said, I've not seen so great Israel. I've not seen so great faith in all Israel. He said, you ought to know, you should have been the one worshiping me. This woman doesn't know me. This woman has a daughter that's possessed by a devil. This woman's life is broken, but yet she knows enough to worship. What about you, Israel? Have I not done enough for you? The Father seeketh such to worship him. He never gets enough worship. He never gets enough. We could praise him from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, and it would never be too much. We could praise him all day and all night, and it would never be more than he deserves. We could praise him 365. We could praise him for eternity, and it'll never get to the limit of what he deserves. The Father is looking for a worshiper. The only way. The... uh, but you know how he gets worshipers? He gets worshipers by a second. He, he, he seek, there's two things he looks for. He looks for a worshiper. But the only way he gets more worshipers is by saving people. And so Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He pulled you out of a bar room so you'd give him praise tonight. He pulled you out of meth addiction so you'd give him praise tonight. He pulled you out of false doctrine so you'd give him. Aren't you glad that he seeketh such to worship? He was looking for you in the bar room. He was looking for you in the crack house. He was looking for you when you were broken. He was looking for you, the Father. It's a great city, folks. I could never praise him enough. I could never praise him enough. I could never pray. How in the world? How in the world could I praise him enough for what he brought me out of? How could I ever thank him enough for what he's done in my life? I can't praise him enough. So the only way that I can begin to pay that debt is for me to go reach a sinner and bring them in to praise him too. part of my worship to him is reaching for lost people part of my worship to him it's more than clapping my hands it's more than jumping it's more than shouting it's more than running it's more than tongue talking it's more than singing it's more than playing music part of my worship is reaching lost people it's a great city It's a great city because there's people God loves in it. God wants to deliver people. Don't look down your nose at that drug addict. God sees him as great. Don't look down your nose at that alcoholic. God sees him as great. 
Don't look down your nose at that sinner because when God looks at him, I know the prophet looked at Nineveh as wicked. I know the historians look at Nineveh as wicked. I know the philosophers looked at, at Nineveh as wicked. And I know the authors looked at Nineveh as wicked. But when God looked at Nineveh, he said, it's a great city. It's a great city. And I've got souls there that I want to reach. Let me tell you that God came to deliver people. The enemy of your soul, and I'm closing with this, I think. The enemy of your soul wants to enslave people with yokes. Like livestock. The image is that of an oxen, of oxen that are in a yoke. An ox is far bigger and stronger than a man. But with a yoke, a man can get an ox to do its bidding. He can determine the direction of the ox with a yoke. One man with a yoke can control a team of oxen. May I tell you, the devil wants to put a yoke on your life. The yoke may be addiction. It may be alcoholism. The yoke may be a need for affirmation. Whatever your yoke may be is immaterial. But the purpose of the yoke is to control your life. The devil wants to control people's lives. But I've got good news tonight. For the prophet Isaiah said in 10 and 27, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken off, shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed. This is one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible because people always say the anointing breaks the yoke. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say the anointing breaks the yoke. I broke stuff that I've been able to fix. But I've never destroyed something I've been able to fix. If it just breaks the yoke, maybe the devil can repair it. But when God destroys the yoke, he breaks it in pieces. It's never put back together. I'm telling you, God wants to destroy the yoke in your life and break it and never let the devil get it back together for you. Oh, thank God for victory. Thank God for deliverance. Thank God that he saw the great city. Oh, God. And so it advances to the New Testament. I'm closing. John 8 and 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I'm telling you, you don't have to be a drug addict. You don't have to be, a, you don't have to be an alcoholic. You don't have to be enslaved by, by sin. You don't have to be a slave to lust. You don't have to be a slave to this world. You don't have to be a slave to wickedness. The Son has made us free at the cross. He looked at you when you were a Ninevite, but he said, that's a great soul right there. Uh, somebody ought to praise him for his delivering power. Somebody ought to praise him. For his life changed. My God, I feel it right now. Hey, there's a revival in our cities. There's a revival in our cities. There's a revival in our cities. Hey,
You ought to reach over, take somebody by the hand, and begin to praise God for the revival that's getting ready to be poured out in our communities, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our towns, in our villages. We ought to thank God that he sees it not as hopeless. He doesn't see it as hopeless. He sees it as a great city. There's a revival for my children. There's a revival for my family. There's a revival for my school. There's a revival for my neighborhood. It's a great city. Oh, somebody ought to just shout and talk in tongues for a while. Somebody ought to let the Holy Ghost sweep over this place. Somebody ought to just let the power of God begin to rest as we come to grips with our mission and our purpose. I prophesied to the drug addict that can't hear my voice right now. I prophesied that the Holy Ghost is going to touch your heart. I prophesied to the broken family that they can't hear my voice right now, but I speak the word of the Lord over their home that there's going to be peace and reconciliation and grace. I prophesy to young people in our community that don't know anything about the Holy Ghost. You're getting ready to feel the pull of the Spirit of the Lord. I wish somebody would speak a word of faith over a family member right now. In Jesus' name, I speak it over them right now. It's that great city. God called it great when it was still wicked. God called it great when it was still sinful. God called it great while it was still vile. He saw now what I was. He saw what I could be. Listen, you should never say something about yourself that you don't want to be the truth. You hear me? Don't ever say something about yourself that you don't want to be the truth. Don't ever say, well, I'm a loser. Don't ever say, well, I can't do it. Don't ever say, well, I'll never amount to anything. Don't you ever speak something over your life that you don't want to be the truth. You can do all things through Christ. God, I don't know if I can ever get my life together. Quit talking like that. Yes, you can. If you can't, then the Bible's a lie. And we know it's true. God, I don't know if I'll ever have a happy marriage. Yes, you will. You speak the word of faith in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood over my family. It's a great city. It's a great city. I don't see it now, but it's great. Don't say my kids are bad. She's so bad. He's so bad. Don't prophesy that over them. They may be rambunctious. They may be a little rebellious right now, but you speak over them. God, they're going to be great for you. These young people are going to be great for you. These young men are going to be great for you. These young women are going to be great for you. It's a great city. Avery, you're going to do great things for God, son. You hear what I'm saying? Wiley, you're going to do great things for God. I'm going to speak it, Daniel, over your life. You're going to do great. Will, you're going to do great things. Austin, you're going to do great things. You're going to do great things for God, Devin. It's a great city. It's a great city. you got to speak greatness before it's going to happen. Oh, God, I speak to that building over there that you're going to fill it up. 
God, that there's no way this one's going to contain what you're getting ready to send because there's people outside that you've seen them as great while they're still addicted, while they're still broken, while they're still wounded. You see them as, a, as great. So, God, I speak it in the, in the name of Jesus by faith in the Word of God. I'm going to do great things for God. I don't know how, but I'm going to do it. It's a great city. Does anybody feel what I feel? I'm telling you, if God could look at Nineveh and say, man, there's greatness in there, then it's no problem for him to let me do something for him. If he can get Nineveh to do great, then my God, if he can turn Nineveh around, I'm, I'm, I'm child's play for him. I can do something for God. I can make something out of myself through the Holy Ghost. Jesus. Hey, God, I feel the gift of faith operating in this house. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I loose the gift of faith into people's lives so they can believe above what they've been trained to be pessimistic. God, they've been trained by this world to be negative, to settle for average and ordinary and mediocre. But God, you never called average and mediocre. You put excellence in your church and you put excellence in your people. So I speak greatness into the families of these men and women and young people and children. I speak greatness over their future. Spiritual greatness. Oh man, I, I'm telling you, the spirit of prophecy is in this place right now. You ought to reach over to somebody, begin to pray the blessing of the Lord on them. You ought to just begin to pray great blessings on them. In the name of Jesus. Aaron, you're going to do great things for God, son. In the name of Jesus. The worst among us is better than Nineveh. The worst in this place is better than Nineveh. And so if he can make Nineveh great, he can make everybody great. That's right, minister one to another. Let the Holy Ghost use you. Speak words of faith into somebody's life. Lay your hand on them and speak the word of faith that God gives you. Lord, there's greatness in your life, young lady. The hand of God is on you. The hand of God is for you. God's not against you. God is for you. God knows the way that you take. God's never left you. God is for you. God is for you. And we're for you. The hand of God will never let you go. You hear me? God, the hand of God. There's greatness inside of you. I believe it. Oh, yes, Lord. 
You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. Oh, that's right. Come on. Ashley, God's got his hand on your life. God's got his hand on your children. You speak greatness over them in Jesus' name. You speak revival over them in Jesus' name. JC, you got greatness in you, young lady. God's hand is on you. God's chosen to use you. God's chosen to bless you.
let a shout of praise out of this place tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus, I worship you. Father, I magnify your name right now. God, I exalt you, Jesus. Lord, to the King of kings, to the Lord of lords, I give you my all right now, Jesus. We got two being baptized in the Jesus' name. Isn't that awesome? Sins being washed away, lives being changed. What a timely word we heard tonight by Pastor. He's one of the best men of God in our movement. And I say that wholeheartedly. I love our pastor. I love what he stands for. I love what he stands behind. He's one of a kind. We have the best pastor. Don't forget about church Wednesday night. Be back here in the house of God. It'll be awesome time in this place. At this time, you'll be dismissed.